during the time when we were singing, let hope arise, or let hope arise, I seen a cloud come into this place. I seen a cloud come into this place, but it was not a cloud that came from up. It was a cloud that came to our feet. Yeah, like, not clouds. I'm expecting river to come through the down, but a cloud just came in and it just, and I just feel that God wants to show people up. Where your feet have feel stuck, where your feet have felt that you're not moving, you cannot get out of this, you cannot, yeah, it makes no sense. Even in your mind, even physically, you're not sure why, but the presence of God came in. And so, Lord, invade Just invade us. Let your presence invade us. In your presence is all things that we need for our being. So let your presence come. Just lift your hands. I don't know who you are, if you feel stuck, if you just, just receive right now. He came in this room for you. He just came in for you. Beautiful Jesus came for you. <laughs> oh, Jesus, we just love you. There is no one like you, Jesus. Hearts adore you. Oh, we adore. Just right now, I just speak hope again. And again, I say hope. Jesus is not here so that he lies. He says, my word will not pass. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will stay. His word to you is hope. Let hope arise. This morning, that is not my message. I'm just wandering right now in that cloud. We're choosing that. Yeah. It's better to wander with God in the Garden of Eden than to try to work in the thistles and thorns. <laughs> that was our inheritance. May we step back into our inheritance. Jesus. <laughs> you know what, Kirk? You said something about worship, about our giving. And this is what's so funny when you said that our 10% is the giving. <laughs> That's where the church basically only gives 10% in worship. <laughs> because we have told them that. We've told them that your worship is the 10%, and we have likened that, and all that they have taken away, they bring to worship is a 10% worship. <laughs> Jesus. Do you know if I break down... We, we've taken the story of the alabaster box. I'm sorry, this is not my message. They've they taken the story of the alabaster box and they've made it a one-time thing. But what if I had to tell you is worship today was like 10 different alabaster boxes that you had and you chose how many you had to break. 
You chose how many years to... The day we realize that we walk with constantly breaking this alabaster box time and time and time again, not only in this room, but everywhere you go, you yield, you brokenness, you bring your brokenness to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. Ah, that is worship. That is worship, not your 10%. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. We give better at games. We give better at events. And he is worthy of it all. And we sing it. We've become professional singers in the pews, in the aisles, and everywhere. We've become professional singers. We sing to the pitch, to the... But really, what are we giving? They're just giving our voices. Are you giving worship? Can we break some of these shells? We live in this for all our lives, and we never know what true worship looks like. It's funny that you sent that thing four years ago about worship. I was not expecting to step into that. But that's what it is. The second thing I've seen in worship is with the sound. There was a sound that came. And in that sound, I suddenly was taken back to the place where these slaves were praying into that kettle. And it's like people have been praying in hiddenness, asking for, you know what the slaves were praying for? They're praying prayers of freedom. I had to go Google it to see what, you know, they were praying because I was like, hey, I'm not sure. Google knows better than me, you know. So I went and I looked for it. It It's like, what were the slaves praying into that kettle? They're praying prayers of freedom. And it just feels like there are people in this place that you have prayed prayers into this little thing, thinking that God never heard you. But he hears every little thing. Every little prayer for freedom, every little cry for help. I have to tell you this, that he has heard it. The timing is in his hand. He has heard your prayers. Saints, he has heard your prayers. I'm praying that one day our prayers, like as they fill that bowl, as they fill that kettle, that one day it will just topple over. So be strengthened in this, that he has heard your prayers. It doesn't matter even if it just meant you just crying. Your tears can be prayers. I was telling somebody recently, uh, saying, sometimes I cry because I said, God, I'm okay to pray, and I'm okay to cry. Let my eyes be like a river. I gave that yes. So it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't bother me. Why is this big guy just crying and worry? You know? It doesn't bother me. It is my yes that I have con- unconditionally just said, yes, Jesus. Jesus. Now, it's funny, when I was preparing for this message, I basically like, had this idea and this thought, and like, okay, I'm going to step into healing. Okay? And what was funny was, I guess, John and me or somebody, we were talking, and like, you know, it's like, hey, healing is what you 
do and that. So I was like, yeah, I can just step into that. And the first thing out of my mouth, so you got to understand the way I, I, I'm a visualizer. I visualize pretty much whatever God is saying, doing, and I visualize it. So I, it becomes so real to me that I just step into that and that becomes the wholeness that I walk in. And as I said that, the first thing that came out of my mouth is, I love you all. And I do. Like, you know, pretty much I know almost everybody except maybe you, ma'am. I don't know you, but, you know, I love you all. And so it's like, you know, it didn't feel difficult for me to just say that. It came from a genuine, sincere place in my heart that, hey, I love you guys. And, you know, that was my opening salvo. That was my opening statement. And suddenly, as I walked on, like in my head, I'm walking on, and I hear this voice say, tell them I love them. God wants you to know that he loves you. The note that we ended in transition from worship to that is God basically wanting you to know that he loves you. Whether it comes back to that first love where you were, or it's much better, I don't know. I'm not here to pin, like, you know, to point finger at you and tell you, hey, you're not there or whatever. You're your own. You do a better job at it than me, you know. But God just wants you to know that He loves you. So I, I was like, hmm, it's a safe church. It's like we don't have unsafe people. It's like, why? Why, God? Why do you want to tell them that, you know? So that's my curiosity, right? It's like, why, God? I'm happy. Okay, if you don't know me, I'll, I'll just sit in that love. I can stay there for as long as you don't bother me. There's no noise. I can just stay in his love constantly. It doesn't matter. It's like sometimes, you know, you see people, you pray for them. They go down under the power of God, and then they get up and they say, hey, what's my next activity? That's the church we have programmed. We have not programmed a church to stay in his presence and learn to just be there. We are always wanting to get on to the next. All right, what's the score of the next game, Cammy? But like, you know, we don't care. If he's here, where do we have to go? I have no destination trail or, you know, I have no plans or tickets booked. I'm just supposed to be here. And when God said that he loves you, it was with the intent that he dis- wanted to dismantle lies that you have gathered in your life over time. Everybody has got saved over different periods of time. And it kind of felt like they were lies, simple lies. It's like how I was telling you, like, you know, Adam could have been in the garden in the cool of the day, and then he chose and he went to thistles because when the enemy came and asked him, he's like, did God tell you this? You know, and same thing when it was offered to Jesus, Hey, Jesus said, the word is against, you know, this, this is the word. And he just worked with that. He didn't work with his own flesh. He worked with the word. So God wants to dismantle lies in our hearts that we have believed. And it may be small things, but any small thing gets you to miss off from the mark. That is the high calling of God in your life. And none of us over here, I want that we miss that high calling of God. Because we are all called to be like Jesus. In every aspect of our life, we have to walk in that very... It's, and that's why it's called the narrow path. 
You see, because any little deviation, we get off that path. We, we, have, we have made how we look, what we do, what we say, how, how many likes we get, and all, all that the important thing. And God just doesn't even care about it. <laughs> really. Think of it. In heaven, they're just continuously worshipping. They're not watching TV and saying, oh, he got so many likes. Oh, he the... They're like, hey, we love you, Jesus. It's all unto him. And it's funny is that if I have to go into the... like, take, Keep the scripture in mind. 1 John 4, 7 to 21. If you go home, read that whole passage. I will go into it a couple of times, but I just want you to know 1 John 4. Okay, so this is John at the end of his life, you know, living, being burnt, boiled in oil or whatever. And he basically is writing these things about love. Number one thing, Romans 2.4. Let me revisit the place where you met Jesus for the first time, your first love. It is his kindness that brings us to repentance. Not your plan. Not you said, I got everything lined up, now I can go follow Jesus. Many people, like if you know Hindu culture, Muslim culture and all, they get their lives all sorted out and then they go and they say, okay, we are devoting the rest of our lives to God. They do it willingly. They, they, that's when they make the pilgrimage to Mecca and they make the pilgrimages and they you know, shave their head and all this stuff. They, they genuinely mean that they are just but they had lined everything up. But God had a plan for you and me, and he met us at a certain point. We didn't plan it. So when the first thing that you have to first dismantle it was his good pleasure, that he came and met us. Not we did all this, and we showed up at this meeting, and we knelt down, and we walked to that. No. From the beginning of times, he was just brooding, and brooding and brooding, and one day our hearts opened. One day our hearts opened. Maybe somebody prayed for us. Maybe something changed, and we just exposed ourselves in our vulnerability, little state of vulnerability, because there's a lot more in our hearts we had to open even then, even today. I'm saved 25 years, and I still feel I need to open more. It's kind of very funny. But at that point, God came and met us. So if you go back to Romans 2, 4, and I'm reading out of the Passion. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? What we have done is we have taken some of these things for granted. We have taken this kindness of God that we have chosen to live or walk sometimes in sin and go do stuff what we want because we have just taken him for granted. And the call is basically saying, hey, come back. This is God. He's just extravagant to you. He just wants to just lather you with his goodness. The same goodness of God that brought you to repentance to give your heart to God is basically this morning coming to you and saying, hey, those little foxes, those little things, 
He was saying, do not take me for granted. There's a lifestyle that people are leading which little deviation from the truth. Just a little. Just a little white lie here and there. And that's how we basically move away from the real calling because in, we, we have a long time to live, you know. Oh, before I say this, and you know, people are like easy or somebody, there goes like a long time to live, you know. So the funny part, okay, let me, John, John is always like, you know, encouraging people who are 60 and above. There's a re- recent research which they found out that people in their 70s are the, uh, yeah, 70 year olds are in their prime capacity of the skill and talent that they have. 70-year-olds. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Guess the next group. The next group is 60-year-olds. Are in their prime capacity of the skills and talents. So they went to look at all the CEOs and everything. And the CEOs and all were all in the 70s. And what we have done? We have replaced that. We have said the old can go. We got the new skinny looking jeans and we got all that and we will prosper with that and we'll move the church into the new millennium without the 70s and 80s and all. Lies. If I have to sink, let me sink to the ancient of days and his ancient ways. Because in the new sinking, we have sink and we have fallen to new lows where we do not even know how low is low. Do you see it's just a concept. It's just, a, just look at it and just say, it's like, hey, what am I really trying to be? Where there is so much, that's why I came to you easy, because I just felt you may have something. It was not something I'm thinking about or even in my notes. But it's just like, hey, there is a wisdom, there is something, that, a key that you all can open up that I cannot in all my strength. And, and this is with honor I'm saying this. It's like I do not want you to feel that, hey, you know, oh, yeah, we can get this done. We jump more than you all do. I can't jump, so whatever. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> like, you know. So it's like, you know, hey. But in intensity and in worship, I'm going to stay that course. I'm going to outlast a lot of people. I'm pursued in my heart, and I've said this in my heart, is I'm going to stay that course, and I'm going to worship with that intensity where people, thousands may fall on my side, ten thousands on my right hand, but I'm going for that gold. That is the call on my life. I'm going to outlive and outlast a lot of people, and they may be better than me, and they may have been like more, even what you say, more qualified than me, and I don't care, because all I have chosen is this one thing. This one thing. And so, well, people who are older, I just want you to know this. The call of God on your life is, it's, it's, I, huh, okay. It's like, it's re, it's not re-sharpening, but it's re, kind of like, it's your mind has not thought in this way before. Okay? Think, work with me with this, because I'm, it's just, I'm not, there's nothing prepared or anything. I just feel this, that there's that this side of your mind has always been used and you know what you do. And now God wants to switch to another side and say, hey, this is how I can make all these things come together. Because we have, you know, we've told people, you're left-brained, you're right-brained and all. Now what if you have the fullness of the mind of Christ? 
So what I'm presenting to you this morning is the mind of Christ. That expand into that mind of Christ, put on that mind of Christ, and then figure out how you want to walk these next years of your life with that same purpose and mind of Christ into your divine destiny. Because, you know, we need you. It's a genuine place. Like, fathers are always needed. Fathers are not discarded because you can get a younger father. Nah, nah, that's not how the Bible works. It's a genuine place where you are needed. So whoever you are, whatever you, I'm talking to people in here, but even on the live stream or whatever it is, it's like, do yourself this favor. Be the someone that he has called you to be, because you matter. It's like every dark cloud of doom and gloom is right now breaking. Just right now, step into that. If you thought this is the end and this is, I have new hope for you. Hope, let hope arise. Let hope arise. So right now, every person in this place, every person in the, who can hear my voice, oh God, I just command, oh God, hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Repurposed? Yeah. Repurposed. Yeah. But a branding of God that will basically change lives and change destinies everywhere you go. And we release that anointing over your lives even right now. I release that branding of the Lord. I see the Lord branding you with his fingers. Just his finger. The thumbprint of God. I just see that. And it's enough for you to know and feel and know what is moving in his heart. Yeah. Jesus, we love you. Hmm. Bless you. One John Force eighteen in trans, uh, in passion, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. That's me. You see. Some parts of us always are in that part where we are like afraid of what's the punishment. We, we work out of a punishment-driven Christianity because we said it's like, okay, you sin, you're going to hell because that's the gospel that we received. It's like, if you're going to sin, you're going to hell. You know why? Oh, Court, Court teaches her kids one thing. Play the page, Right? So in music, they say play the page means everything that you have marked on your page, you have to play that and the way it is, that's it. So this is what happens in Christianity. We call it preach the page. So we take the gospel, we just take the letters and we preach it. And I can say Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And that doesn't even have the emotion of heaven, of the... Of, of, of God's heart. We have learned to preach the page without understanding the spirit of life. 
We, where, where do we go with this? Because that, what, when we preach the page or you read the page, all you see is punishment. If you do this, if you don't do this, this is what will happen, that is what will happen. And we have lived a lifestyle where we have just been on this. But we have not experienced God's love that can kick sin out of our lives. So is there room for God's love to come in this morning into our lives? Yes, each and every one of us, including me. It's not like I have said, oh, okay, we're good. I've reached God's perfection. Voila, I'm you. No, no, no. It's like we're just going to ask God, it's like, hey, what are you perfecting in me in love? Because God's love has a way different feel, you know, where it's just like, hmm. It's kind of like I'm welcoming it, it's hurting, it's paining, but I'm just saying, yes, Lord. And what happens is when we basically become comfortable, we forget the meaning of that. We forget the feeling of that where you're saying, God, yes, come in. Let me give you another translation. There is no fear in love. Dread, dread does not exist. But do you, have you ever seen people when the presence of God is, they don't want to even come close? It is very, it's like, you know, there's a reverence. I understand the reverence part of it. But then there are some people who are like, no, 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 no. God is moving you. I have nothing to do with this. Good luck. I'll see you at lunch. You know, it's like, but perfect, complete, full-grown, full-grown love drives out fear. See, we have to grow our love to increase where fear is nothing to do with it. You know, that's the key, the fear. If I live in a fear-based Christianity, I've never known the full love of Jesus. Fear is not your friend. Kill fear. Do you know who, if I say T.L. Osborne? Okay, so T.L. Osborne wrote the book called Healing the Sick, right? Do you know it's like a classic? One of the first chapters, the second chapters in that says, doubt your doubts. You know what we have done? We have chosen to doubt God and what he says, but we have never flipped it and said, all these fears and all these doubts, are they even true? Because everything is, we have said, my measure, my standard, my feelings, my emotions, all matter. Right? The world outside is telling you, hey, what you feel, me too, everything, this is what you're feeling. That's your reality and that's true. But what does it compare to what the Bible says? Right? So we have to have that understanding is like, hey, where are we going with this? It, to me, that's the funny part. Our fears, we have never learned. And that's why healings don't happen, according to the book. It's because we have never believed what the Bible says, but we have believed our doubts. My doubt looks like this. My headaches look like that. My migraines look like this and feel like that. Okay. And you are living in the reality of what you believe. If I basically move into that, that's our carnal nature. The supernatural nature basically is telling you, is like, hey, he has great things for you to do. You know, things that you cannot do on your own, but he's able to do it through you. You're supposed to walk in divine healing. Supernatural living is basically even having the supernatural giving and receiving. 
It's not only one way. We basically are fearful because we think, oh, we're giving this 10%, you know, and I'm going to live on the 90. What if I told you it's maybe possible to live on the 10 and give away the 90? It, it, just, you know, let, let's kill some cows today. I like that. As an Indian, this is my heritage. And I can, do, I can say that. None of y'all can say that. <laughs> but, but that's all. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing with y'all. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but perfect love casts out all fear. And I just feel that the love of God just in this place, right? So if you need it, you feel that, hey, there are some lies I believe. Like one of the things I have written over here, this is from Corey Tenboom. Worry is a cycle of inf- inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. You, you feel this need that you're spinning, 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 spinning. You're trying to work things out. But really, the lack is the love of God. The love of God is what shows us up. So even right now, I just feel this. I don't know if I have to lay hands on you or people have to lay hands on you, but if you feel this, just come in front. I just let his love minister to you. Do You see, I'm not in a hurry to basically go because I, I, I thought about it for a minute and I was like, you know, what are the lies that we have believed that the love of God is not able to do for us? And if you feel that, then just come. You're like, you know, there's nothing. And everybody else can either join and pray with us we don't need to have specific words. We're just laying hands and we're just saying that the same heart of God let it flow through me without hindrance. Just right now. Just, Lord, your loving hands, those nail-scarred hands, just loving on people, just even through this, through every situation, just right now. So we just bless what you're doing, God. Not that you need us to bless it, but we acknowledge it, Jesus. The love of God is mighty. Love is the greatest thing. Love, your love. Ha! Yeah, your love is the greatest thing. The greatest thing, more than miracles, more than signs, more than wonders. The love of God is the greatest thing. If there is one, no, one thing that will ever last, oh God, is your love, oh God. Your love, oh God, can reach any place, can do anything, can smother everything of the enemy, which you did on Calvary. Ha! The love of God came down to rescue me. Ha! He rescued me, and we thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you, O oh God. We do not take it for granted, O oh God, that daily, O oh God, living, O oh God, and burning, O oh God, for you, O oh God, came for a price, O oh God, that it was you. So we bless you.